0: At start of the year, we told our listeners a story about a news anchor from Missouri who received an angry voice message from one of her viewers. It was a special about New Year's Eve and New Year's food, and she mentioned dumpling in passing. And the frustrated viewer would go on to call her very Asian. As if that's a bad thing. What followed was surprising. It was a massive support from the Asian American community and a viral hashtag. But that's not the entirety of the story. We want to hear directly from the source. So this morning we connect with news anchor and reporter at the KSDA, uh, KSDK network Excuse me, in St. Louis, Missouri. Michelle Lee joins us on the line. Good morning and actually good evening Hi. for you. Hi. Oh, yeah, it's good evening here. It's almost uh, <laughs> dinner time. But yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to hear from you, Michelle. We actually did discuss what happened to you on our program before, but we wanted to hear from you what happened. And before you received that angry phone call, what was that special on New Year's Eve about?
1: Okay, well, sure. Every year on New Year's Day, we... Uh, news stations probably across the world talk about what they eat, you know. And so we just did a story on what Americans eat for New Year's Day. And it's like, you know, greens for wealth, pork is for prosperity. Cornbread means this and that, you know. So I just thought, well, Americans, not all Americans eat that. And so can I mention, um, you know, what what my friends and I were eating, um, and they were all eating duck cook, you know? So, you know, I said, dumpling soup on air. I said, you know, Hey, a lot of people eat dumpling soup because that's, or I ate dumpling soup because that's what a lot of Korean people do. Mm -hmm. And I actually, if I would have said duck I think it would have blown people's minds, you know, but, (laughs) (laughs) or or even, you know, rice cakes, I could have said rice cakes, but, um, but the, I had a couple of really nice notes on social media right away that, Mm. um, one was like, you know, my wife was born in Korea and our daughter is making that soup for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Another person said, oh, I'm so glad you said that because young people see that. Mm-hmm. And so here I was, I was thinking I had this inclusive moment. It was mm-hmm. just such a little blurb, yeah. um, nothing at all. And um, and then I got that, e- or that voice mail mm-hmm. uh, from a woman who said she was offended. She mm-hmm. was offended by it because she thought that I... That if a white anchor had talked about what white people eat, then they would be fired. Uh, Instead, she was offended because I was very Asian and I needed to keep my Korean to myself. And um, it was just kind of it was just shocking, really, (laughs) to get a voicemail like that.
0: In this day and age where I feel like there are movements uh, to fight for Asian American rights and that maybe there is a bigger sense of inclusivity in Hollywood. We talk about that every morning, but it seems so archaic, the idea of calling out an anchor for, like you said, it was such a small blurb of you mentioning what you have and what your family enjoyed or what your friends enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did also see the overwhelming response from the Asian American community at large. I saw some high-profile shout-outs, including but not limited to Margaret Cho, and, and we thought, okay, so maybe maybe we could keep this conversation going. I mean, that that was a nice moment of relief, was it not? Oh my go- goodness, I couldn't have couldn't have envisioned something like that happening. You know, I mean,
1: I put it out on social media, but you think it's only going to interact with the you know the same one hundred people who interact with your stuff? So to have that kind of response, I mean, not just you know, celebrities, but politicians. Mm. And, um, and people started sharing their pictures of their food, their family, Mm. Um, you know, they're um, just sharing great stories. Mm. Um, And it became a moment of pride for people mm. and they flipped the hashtag and it was just so beautiful. Mm. And, um, you know, can we keep the movement going? I think we can, but, um, you know, that's the idea. It's just, there's so much pride in our community and at so many diverse levels. Mm. You know, I had, I had so many responses from transracial adoptees, um, from those in the LGBTQ community to, um, to kids of mixed race or I shouldn't say kids, but Mm. to people of mixed race. And so as we become a world that becomes more diverse and allows and evolves so that people can live their full selves. I think people are like, hey, don't forget about me. And I think that's why Very Asian resonated with people because they felt seen in a way that maybe they hadn't been seen before on a national scale.
0: You know, I also grew up in California, and although I had a pretty good Korean community, didn't mean that I didn't feel like I wasn't represented in, in sure. on, on the TV or in the film screen or even in on TV as a newscaster, right? Uh, but it feels like times are changing and people <laughs> People of influence like you are, are using the platform to start a movement. So in case our listeners are just chiming in, hashtag very Asian is where you want to start this conversation.
1: <laughs> well, I love it. And actually, you know, um, we're moving forward with a foundation. Really? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this foundation? Oh, sure. Okay. So yesterday I was on the Ellen show and Ellen DeGer- Ellen gave us Fifteen thousand oh, wow. um, dollars. So, with the fifteen thousand dollars, we decided to go ahead and form a foundation, which we were already kind of working towards anyway. Mm. And um, and so, we're going to use that money to start the Very Asian Foundation to amplify diverse voices within the API community.
0: Mm. Does that does that go towards a particular organization, or is, it, is this a newly founded uh, organization by you?
1: It's newly founded. So, what we're going to do is pump money into organizations that are already doing great work. For example, the Asian American Journalists Association will be one. But right now, we're sending um, for. This round, we're sending money towards stop API hate, um, just because we've already seen attacks on people this year. And, you know, we're only 20 days into the new year. So we know that it's important work. Mm -hmm. And we know that that is still carrying on the mission of amplifying diverse voices, because so many people don't think it's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people don't think that this violence is happening. And it is. So um, we think that, and, you know, it will evolve. Mm -hmm. But that's where we're starting.
0: You know, you raise a really important point, Michelle. Um, According to a number of different reports, hate crimes against Asian people have risen significantly during this pandemic. Uh, I saw a recent uh, release by Google, according to their trend searches in 2021. uh, Record-breaking searches related to Asian Americans came up in that year alone. And not so coincidentally, searches for what is hate crime spiked in the month of March last year. That's the same month, eight people, six of whom were Asian women, were killed in Atlanta spas. So it seems that... it it, it is happening. How could we deny these statistics? Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about um, anti-Asian hate crimes that you've experienced or witnessed personally?
1: I have. Well, well, covering even, okay, so I lived in Seattle up until April of this year, or this last year. And you know, the interesting thing about all of this is that there has to be someone recording the hate crimes that are happening. If you even look at Atlanta, they wouldn't look at it as a hate crime, right? Mm-hmm. So what's what's happening is that people are still getting assaulted or worse, and no one is really collecting the data mm. to where it has meaningful impact. So I think we have to start collecting data to understand what is happening. I mean, that's what Stop API Hate does. But for example, I know that in St. Louis, in the last two years, we had Um, assaults and deaths that were not monitored by anyone. I mean, we know that it happened because we recorded it Mm -hmm. and we um, kept track of it. However, there's no agency that's saying, hey, this is a hate crime against AAPI folks. I'm so sorry. My son just came home from uh, school. Yeah, my hi. Husband, I do I want you want to say, say hi?
0: <laughs> you know, Michelle, it seems like you're creating another viral moment for us. Thank you for that.
1: Hi. 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 Can you say hi?
0: Nice to meet you. I'm Lena <laughs> from Korea. Can you
1: say hi, Lena. <laughs>
0: problem. That's Michelle's son, for those of you guys who are just tuning in. No yeah, problem at all. It right. happens on live
1: shows. He's three years old, so uh, I don't think live radio is something that's on his mind. <laughs>
0: You might be able to tell him years from now that this happened. Look what you did. You made an appearance on a live radio show as yeah. you were discussing such an important and relevant topic, right? All right. I do want to take you back to where, where you just kind of left off talking uh, because I think addressing hate crimes for what it is, that it, it is in fact a hate crime, is really important. Yeah. Do you think the organizations that you support could do a little bit more in that front? Maybe press lawmakers to ensure to pinpoint hate crime as a hate crime.
1: Right. I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, the, I guess this the issue is we need our communities to do more work, right? And I'm not sure how we do that yet. Um, I'm doing a lot of listening. And I just, as a journalist, I see it. You know, if you can't get law enforcement to understand that this is potentially a hate crime, how does it, where does it go from there? I mean, I think that's the starting point in a lot of places. So I think that truthfully, I think a lot of community organizations need to, you know, put some hate on law enforcement groups to say, hey, we really need this. You know, I know the FBI tracks things too, but I just did a story a few months ago about tracking API hate in the St. Louis area. We called the FBI, we called the task forces, but they had zero reports Ugh. of hate crimes. How is that possible when right. we know that there were people who died, um, be, you know, from violent from violent acts, um, were they investigated as a hate crime? Was it even a consideration? I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you have to start. Um, so maybe it's a, maybe it is an effort to get um, more community action. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sure yet, but I definitely think that that is the starting point because to have the you know the Atlanta law enforcement to come out and say we don't think it's a hate crime. Well, how do you
0: know? Exactly. How do you stipulate?
1: Right. So you've got to get people involved at the very ground level and at the very most intimate level of those crimes Mm. to say, well, we don't know if it's a hate crime, but we're certainly going to look into it. We're not going to discount it from the very start
0: my uh, opinion my opinion only but yeah no I think you're addressing a, a really important point how do you get law enforcement to recognize a hate crime for exactly what it is if someone was assaulted and, and murdered for the the skin of their color or their ethnicity it, shouldn't it be classified as a hate crime and in order to get their attention what you need is a lot of people rallying against the same cause and the same belief and mm-hmm. I would love to hear what your organization does years from now you'll love to you know <laughs> um, actually asked for some updates. But for the time being, uh, I do think it's two sides of the same coin. Do you think we have perhaps grown a little bit from these traumatic events? The fact that we're talking about this on air might be a significant transition to the next chapter of uh, tackling uh, racism in general.
1: I absolutely do. I mean, Asian Americans, as I'm sure you know, have struggled so much with this model minority myth um, struggled so much with um, just Asian people being a monolith and we are not. We have diverse experiences. We have diverse backgrounds and cultures and so for so many people for so long to paint us with this broad brushstroke mm-hmm. has been um, really something that we've had to suffer from, you mm-hmm. know, and and it what it does, it just hurts so many people and it also just it doesn't it keeps reality from coming to light. I mean, we all live different realities and so, and they're all valuable and they all, um, they all make up our experiences within the AAPI community. So I think just having conversations, bringing to light, like what's happening, um, will normalize our Asian-ness and our Americanness, uh, and, and, that ultimately will advance us as a community.
0: I just read a headline, seeing that the state of Illinois in the United States mandated uh, mandatory Asian American history and heritage classes. Do you think that's an important step forward as well? Maybe educating the masses.
1: Absolutely, and I was actually going to pull up something while you said that um, because it made me realize. Also, something happened in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, Senate, I believe, passed a resolution recommending that Wisconsin school districts develop an educational curriculum on API history and culture. Okay. So I think that there is this movement happening. Mm. Um, and it, I think it's so important. How many people don't realize that Asian Americans, the Japanese Americans, were put in internment camps right. not really that long ago? You know, there's so much history that has happened to Americans who are of Asian descent and it's not talked about in school. So where Mm. do people find that information? Where do people learn how to have empathy and connection to those who are of the Asian American community Mm. Um, and Pacific Islanders and native Hawaiians, you know? So there's just so much erasure that has happened over the years. Mm. I will give a really good example. In St. Louis, um, a lot of, it's a myth, but a lot of people will say, oh, St. Louis is is just black or white. And it's really untrue. St. Louis had this Chinatown that was 100 years old. 100 years old. It was called Hop Alley. And it started in the 1860s. And in the 1960s, the city or developers or whoever blighted that area for a a baseball stadium. Mm. And it just disappeared. And the people went to just scattered all across the city. So there's now... Mm. Um, kind of like a road that a lot of Asian American uh, businesses are on, but even then that has been disseminated because of development and so-called progress. But my point is there is so much, so much Asian American API history within our own communities and we don't even know they exist. Mm. So yes, we need to learn more about our history and our culture. And I think everyone values Mm. I think everyone actually enjoys learning history of their town. It might not have been like to quote unquote their people, but they really like uh, celebrating history in their town or learning from it. Um,
0: yeah, it's like learning about your roots, learning more of, you know, what my town was like before I got here or I arrived. And who doesn't want to know more about where I come from? It's it's such an inherent question. I think it's such an important (laughs) conversation starter, too. Uh, But here's the thing. It's not about painting the reality, which is pretty stark. But do you think overall in your exposure to living as a Korean American in the state of Missouri and predating that was you said you were in. Seattle, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think overall, uh, the situation for Asian Americans are getting better?
1: It's tricky. I do. I I mean, I think there has definitely been progress, Mm -hmm. you know, for me to even just in my small example, uh, for me to even share what happened to me and have support from my station, I think is huge progress. Um, because a lot of people want to listen and learn and they want to shut down racism and hate. Um, so I think that's good progress. And I do think that when we look at pop culture, we're seeing more API folks in, um, in music and in movies and television and all those things. So I think those are all positives. And when you listen to the kids, but if you talk to young people, they're so inspirational and they are are really progressive in their thinking. So, I mean, the next generation is going to be you know, so much better than us. But I, do, <laughs> I definitely think there's progress. It's just, it, you know, it's always two steps forward, one step
0: back. Mm. All right, Michelle, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but that was such an amazing talk. Thank you so much for <laughs> taking out of time out of your busy schedule. Um, I'm going to check out your Ellen interview. I haven't had the chance to see that yet <laughs> okay i'll, I'll send i'll send it to you <laughs> <laughs> thanks michelle we hope to speak to you soon thank you very much thank you if you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live monday through friday 7 a.m korea standard time so tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input see you bright and early on good morning Seoul.